Oh, okay. Her saying I made the drapes in my apartment. She could have had an apartment at one point, made the drapes, then committed a crime and then been on the run. You're telling me, well, this bitch is a criminal, so she's never made drapes. What a fucking liar. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. And I'm Lauren. And today we're talking about the third episode, Tabula Rasa, which is a Kate-centric episode. I'm saying that right, right? Yeah. Centric? No. Tabula Rasa. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, I'm not the one to ask. (laughs) Oh, Loki wants to introduce himself. That's Loki. That's my dog. Why can't your dogs behave like Locke? He's so quiet. I don't know. I think somebody's doing construction on our street because they've been barking all day. So we're just going to have to deal with that guest star. To to the listeners, we'll try to cut that at the best of our ability, but it's probably going to be there because I still suck at editing. Hold on. <laughs> You're in a great mood today. <laughs> I'm, I have had a, a week. It's honestly been a good week. I just, I have this thing where like I work from home and so I spend a lot of time by myself. And so whenever I just go long periods of time without talking to anybody, I just get really agitated. So. Well, we, explain our childhood because you were agitated for a lot of it. Yeah, and I spend a lot of time alone. I'm an introvert, but apparently I don't thrive as an introvert. Oh my God, my dogs are so loud. That's also Izzy barking. I have two dogs. Okay, anyway. Let's start off by saying... No, I want to say something. Oh, go ahead. Before we get started today, I just want to go over some housekeeping items. First being, please follow us on social media. Our TikTok, I hear, is fantastic. I'm not allowed to watch our TikToks, actually, um, because they have spoilers. So spoiler alert, if you follow our TikToks, there are spoilers. So I am not even allowed to see it. Uh, There's even one recently that I am the one in it, but I just recorded the video and then sent it to Zane, and then he added the shit that I can't see. So, yeah. Let me know if it's good. Best part about making that one was I was thinking about how, when will you eventually be able to watch it? And I was like, like not even until the end. Cause like I put spoilers like throughout the entire series. That's what I like is like when we're done with this in like what, two years, I'm like, Oh, okay. Now I can go watch all of our TikToks. It'll be fun. And you'll hate all of them. <laughs> Probably. I'll see that they all have like three likes and the likes are like you Hey, we've got one that has 500 views already, and we haven't even launched yet. 500 views, but how many likes? Nine. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Speaking of spoilers, um, taking this time to say, spoiler warning for the series from here on out. Sorry if anyone was upset in the first two episodes. Didn't think to say it. Um, To be honest, thought it might be a little obvious when at the beginning we went through everything that Lauren might know, but just to be safe, we are going to have light spoilers. Obviously we're talking about the episode itself. And for those of you who have watched it or have seen parts of it, I may allude to something that might happen that you might be able to connect the dots for. Why don't we go ahead and start by Lauren recap for me. What happened in this episode? Okay. I'm definitely going to nail this because I watched the episode two days ago and I couldn't have possibly forgotten the entire episode by now. That couldn't be what's happening right now in this moment. Uh, Okay, it's about Kate. We're kind of getting some flashbacks about 
Okay, she was in Australia. She was in Australia and she was staying with this nice farmer guy who we think is nice. And I think he's still nice, but you know, he's got a hell of a mortgage. And she, don't interrupt me, I'm killing it. So we're kind of seeing her, she's on the run. And and then back, you know, Preston. <laughs> Maybe like two sentences. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's an episode about Kate. And then it's also kind of like this, this guy is dying. Can we kill him? That's all I remember. I could have sworn I had you write, ask you to write this down. Oh, I did. No, I, I do no prep. Absolutely zero prep. I watched the episode and that's it. That's why we have millions of viewers. Look, if we ever profit off of this, I still expect a 50-50 cut. You but I'm don't just do say, <laughs> I am the star of the show. I am the title character. Kate was talking about how this needs to be a success so I can pay off her student loans. Okay, we're talking about someone who doesn't do anything. What has she done? I told her, make the logo. <laughs> Sorry, Kate, BFF. I don't think you've earned your producer credit yet. Not at all. All right. So we're going to do a little little uh, quick bits about the episode, some fun-ish facts. You might find them boring. Um, so first of all, this is – I want to make sure I say this right because I never knew how to say it growing up. It's centric. Centric. <laughs> no. This is – the role of Kate – was Evangeline Lilly's first major acting job. Um, as we've all seen, she's gone on to play the Wasp in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. So clearly, it's worked out for her. And I'm willing to go as far as to say that she's probably the most successful uh, actor to come out of Lost. I mean, Boone was in Vampire Diaries. Oh, right. The CW. The best, show, the best series of all time. That is, that's a top 20 show for me. Other quick bic that is going off very quickly. You said quick bic. Other quick... (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Another quick bit that is going so fast. Uh, Evangeline Lilly is Canadian, and the filming of the pilot was actually delayed because of her trying to get a work visa. But you can hear her Canadian accent when she says, sorry, in the first flashback scene. So I'll point that out when we get there. I'm sure you didn't notice. I did not notice. And lastly, tabula rasa means blank slate, which I knew um, from the John Locke lesson that I learned uh, a very long time ago and not a few weeks ago when Lauren yelled at me. But it's the overall theme of this episode, having a blank slate, which is uh, highlighted mainly in the final, one of the final scenes of the episode. You're a bitch. (laughs) How dare you just casually say that? As if you knew it. Whatever. I'm done with you. (laughs) How about we get into the episode? Nah. All right. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to. All right. So the episode starts off with um, obviously the recap. Who cares? But then uh, the marshal is warning Jack not to trust her. But he's never actually saying Kate's name. And Jack just thinks that he's suffering from infection and heat exhaustion and that he has no idea what he's saying until eventually he tells him to pull out a picture that's in his jacket pocket and he pulls it out and it's Kate's mugshot. And he just keeps saying, she's dangerous. She's dangerous. And then it cuts to the group from the camping or not camping, hiking group from the last episode. They're making their way back to the camp, but Saeed thinks it's getting dark out so they should make camp where they are. Sawyer wants to keep going. And Saeed just tells him that he's not likely to make it back because the monster will get him. So Sawyer asks for his for the ammo for his gun back, but Kate finally gets him to stay, citing that she saw what the monster did to the pilot. So they set up camp, and then Saeed decides to reenact the crash with a stick. I'm so glad that Sawyer made fun of him for that because I, you know what? It's funny though. I I didn't even think to make fun of it when when Saeed did it. Probably because I think Saeed's hot. But I'm like, man, Sawyer, where were you when Jack was using that fucking leaf plane? I mean, at least 
Saeed didn't like whittle the stick to look like the thing plane. is he already had the stick in his hand and then it's just a natural motion to go ahead and just use it as your plane he can do no wrong so he cites the lack of commu- the loss of communication the change of course and then the eventual crash basically this is 2004 if you missed last week when the show aired you're now brought up to speed uh Charlie points out that satellites will eventually find the, the island and the survivors. But Saeed tells him that the satellites don't know where to look. Therefore, they can't rely on that being how they get found. So then Sawyer recaps the French transmission. Once again, you're now brought up to speed if you missed last week. And he calls Kate Freckles for the first time. So fun to note that. Um, Saeed decides the best course of action is not to tell the rest of the camp that, about the French message and how long it's been going citing that hope is a very dangerous thing to lose. The group eventually agrees to lie about the message. Do you think this is the right move? Yes, I do. Because of exactly what he said. Like, if, if a whole group of people thinks that they're not going to get rescued, it's just going to be chaos. Because right now, people are on their best behavior. You don't want to do anything crazy when in a couple of days you could be back, you know, among civilization. Have you ever read the book Lord of the Flies? Uh, I read it in middle school, but like, I don't remember any of it, but I know that the show like plays heavy on some of those themes. I have also not read the book, but I was a student assistant in a classroom that was reading it. So I heard their discussion. So I basically read it, but yeah, it's basically like, can this civilization governed by just a bunch of random people? You know what? I just realized I don't remember anything about this book, even from the the discussions. I know it's a bunch of like boys, like preteen boys. Right. Anyway, forget all of that. I didn't say any of that. Once people have no hope, they're going to start acting a fool, especially with limited resources as is. Yeah. They're going to start hoarding things. That's when you start getting people killing each other. Cause they're like, Hey bitch. That's my airplane leaf. Get your own. Jack and Hurley are setting up what eventually becomes the medical tent, and they discuss theories about what the monster is. Really only landing on, it's definitely not a dinosaur, although I wouldn't throw that out just that just yet. Jack tells Hurley that the marshal's condition is getting worse, but he doesn't acknowledge that he's likely going to die, refuses to even go there. And then Hurley finds Kate's mugshot, but Jack doesn't want to discuss any of that. It's none of his business. But Hurley's, Hurley's a little afraid, saying she looks intense. You know, like, Hurley just listens to Jack. Like, whatever, he's the doctor. But, like, if Hurley wants to do something about Kate's mugshot, why doesn't he just do it? Why does everybody just listen to Jack? Just because hmm. he's a doctor? He's essentially become the de facto leader. I mean, you got to keep in mind, the first thing that these people saw when they woke up from the crash is this guy just pulling people out of wreckage. Okay, but I'd also like to say he's definitely not become the leader he's just become the guy that's like over by himself helping the one guy Saeed is the leader okay we'll see how you feel in a couple episodes okay but I'm just saying Saeed's the one that's like rallying the troops and like leading the rescue effort and like telling people what to do Jack is just like I mean he he's definitely like that type of character like an in-command character but He's only bossing people around to get medicine and to do stuff for this one guy. He's not, like, leading the whole group. Well, Jack is the one who took off into the jungle to get the transceiver. So far, there's been two hikes, one led by Saeed, one led by Jack. Yeah, but then we're going to see Saeed come back and, like, organize people into groups, like an absolute hottie. So Okay, fair. Speaking of which, uh, back with the group that's camped out, Boone tries to steal the gun uh, an ammo from Saeed and Sawyer. Uh, this causes an argument after some yelling. Shannon suggests that Kate should be the one to hold on to the gun and that everyone agrees. I loved this. One, Boone is such an idiot. I don't, I obviously he's like a rich boy who's never actually had to do anything in his life because this guy is like always trying to help, but never in the right way. Like just constantly being a dummy. Also, I really liked this moment. Like, just blatant irony, which brings me to a question for you. Oh, wow. Oh, how the turntables turn. Do you know what irony is? What are you doing? Nothing. What are you, 
No, don't Google irony. Don't. Well, you put me on blast like that. I blinked. This is the, the reason I'm asking is because people use irony wrong all the time. Like we say, oh, like I, I use this word ironically or like Alanis Morissette's song, Isn't It Ironic? I'm pretty sure none of that song is examples of irony at all. Okay, if I had to put it in like my words, it's like when the situation contrasts what like would be expected. Nope. Irony, there are multiple types of irony, but the general gist of it is that somebody doesn't know something. Oh God, now I'm going to sound like an idiot. Basically, no, stop. Let me (laughs) say it first. It's where somebody is not in the know. So in in, in literature, it's like, the character doesn't know something that the reader knows. So in this situation, the audience knows that Kate is a criminal, but the characters don't know. And so they're like, oh, she's the one that should have the gun. So that's irony. Okay, I've got two definitions. One, you're right. I know I'm right. A state of affairs or an event that seems deliberately contrary to what one expects and is often amusing as a result. Or a literary technique originally used in Greek tragedy by which the full significance of a character's words or actions are clear to the audience or reader, although unknown to the character. Okay, so maybe people do use irony correctly. I think I just only ever learned that one definition and I've just been walking around like an asshole who thinks they know what irony is this entire time. Are you mansplaining irony right now? Yeah, I actually do this all the time. And like Andrew's the only person, oh, Andrew's my boyfriend for our millions of listeners worldwide. Andrew is the only one that's ever called me out on it. Like I just speak out of my ass and just, I act like it is absolute fact and people don't question me. And then Andrew started questioning me and, and then I realized I don't ever know what I'm talking about. And, and this isn't like, oh, I'm a liar. I like, just think I'm right. Like hands down, no question. I'm like, everything I say is right. I mean, so if there's I, anything I've learned over the couple, past couple of years, if you think you're right, you can convince people you are. I know. And that's what I've been doing for a really long time. Okay. Sorry to get us uh, sidetracked about irony, but. It's all right. It's, it's a bit ironic that you didn't know. Nope. It's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> so first flashback, Kate wakes up uh, with a shotgun pointed at her face from one Ray Mullen. We find that Kate is uh, backpacking through Australia and sleeping in sheet pins. She says sorry here when she apologizes to Ray for sleeping in her in his sheet pen. That's where we hear her accent, from my quick bit at the top. She uses the fake name Annie and explains to Ray that she's trying to get to Montreal or however you're supposed to pronounce it in Canadian. Nope, Australian. <laughs> wow. First of all, secondly, how do we even know Kate's her real name? Spoiler because alert. Kate is her real name. <laughs> okay, but if she's thinking ahead, what if that Marshall guy had been like, she's dangerous, uh, Lily is dangerous, and they'd be like, well, we don't know who Lily is, but there's this hottie Kate running around. Well, there's only five girls alive on the island. Probably not any of them, because I'm pretty sure Lily wasn't one of those names. Are you doing the math in your head of how many female characters there are? No, because, but earlier I was thinking, because I was watching Love Island last night and they were playing Snog Mary Pie. I'm not there yet. No spoilers. I can't believe, I thought I was behind and I was going to like seriously rant to you about some shit going on. Okay, that's fine. But anyway, I was like, oh, could we play Snog Mary Pie with people on the island? And then I was like, Kate, Claire... Oh, Shannon. I forgot about Shannon. Sun and Rose. Okay, right now. Snog, Mary, Pie, Kate, Claire, Shannon. Pie is like the equivalent of kill, right? Yes, but we're not going to say the okay. F word. I would never say the F word. Wait. I thought pie was like when you're like... No, snog is fuck. Right. Mary, Mary, kill pie. Okay. Rose is a motherly figure, so I don't I do- didn't say Rose. God damn it, Zane. I thought we were doing all the five. No, it's there's three options. Snog, Mary Pie, Kate, 
Claire Shannon. Ooh, okay. I'm going to snog Shannon. Okay. I feel bad killing a baby. Yeah, that's so, exactly where my mind went. So I'll marry Claire and I'll kill Kate. You're going to kill Kate? Okay, I've seen the entire series. She gets really fucking annoying. Stop spoiling shit. If that's an opinion thing. I know, but I don't want your opinion to cloud my judgment. Well, I told you at the top of the series that Kate hates Kate. That doesn't mean anything to me. I don't know Kate. Fair enough. I don't know. I, uh, if if Claire wasn't pregnant, I'd probably uh, snog Kate and then marry Shannon and then kill Claire. But marry the, Shannon for the money. Yeah. But the baby really just throws a wrench in the whole plan. Fair enough. Moving on. Yeah, fake name Annie. She's backpacking through Australia. And Ray basically offers her a place to stay and some wages to help with the chores. And we basically learn his motivation is his wife died and he's got a huge mortgage. So he needs help. Um, Kate accepts and we go back to the island where the uh, transceiver group has returned. Sight informs the others that the transceiver did not work, uh, but they were going to use electronics to try to boost the signal. He also organizes uh, two groups to gather food and water, basically start sorting all that. And this brings us to Lauren's hottie of the week. It's Saeed. I love how he just takes control. I don't know, something about this guy. He's so competent. I just love competency. That's it. That's, he's one. Hottie of the week. Boom, bam. He does kind of seem to be the only competent one in this group, especially not Sawyer in this episode at all. So Kate pulls Jack aside and tells him what actually happened with the message, tells him about the French woman, how long the message was playing. But Jack is sitting there waiting for the criminal past. I just want to say that when they were just together, the group that did this hike, when they said, oh, we're not going to tell the other people, I was like, oh, except Jack, right? Of course, fucking Kate's going to go tell Jack. And then she goes off and tells him, I'm like, duh. He did risk his life for the transceiver and like nearly got killed by the monster. I feel like if anyone had a right to know. You're really just sucking Jack's dick all the time, aren't you? Big Jack Stan. Big Jack Stan. So Kate tells him all this information and says, I wanted you to know. But Jack doesn't even react to this information. All he's waiting for is, I also wanted you to know that I'm a criminal. He, he just like lets it roll off his back and just immediately asks, is there anything else you wanted to tell me? Which leads me to believe Jack is whipped. Why does that make you think he's whipped? Because he, he, that's some pretty big information. There's someone else on the island potentially for the past 16 years. They might not get rescued, but he wants to know if this girl he's got a crush on is going to disclose some information to him. Yeah, I don't know if whipped is the word I'd use, but fine. So then Kate asks about the marshal, and Jack lies and said that he woke up but didn't say anything. How can he be, like, sitting there waiting for her to reveal this giant secret, but then he just turns around and lies to her? Well, I mean, in his defense, he doesn't know anything about this woman. Keep in mind, like, the at, at this point, we're to, under, we're to think that Kate is this criminal who's been on the run and eventually, like, got caught in Australia. So, like, we don't really know anything about her. The first thing he told her is, I made the drapes in my apartment. That's probably a lie. So, like, in his mind, first thing she ever said was a lie. I mean, I don't... Criminals can't make drapes. She probably doesn't have an apartment if she's on the run in Australia. Oh, okay, her saying, I made the drapes in my apartment. She could have had an apartment at one point, made the drapes, then committed a crime, and then been on the run. You're telling me, well, this bitch is a criminal, so she's never made drapes. What a fucking liar. She doesn't have drapes. She's not the type to have drapes. Criminals cannot have sewing skills. So Hurley asked Jack about what the conversation between him and Kate was about. And Jack just deflects again. It's not his business, not his problem. And Hurley basically decides that he thinks the marshal can take care of Kate when he wakes up. But Jack informs him that unless they're getting better medicine, Marshall might not wake up anytime soon. 
So they think the best plan of action is to find more medicine by going through the tomb that is now the fuselage. <laughs> Hurley decides he's going to watch the marshal. I cannot believe that they still have all those, all those bodies right there, like where they're all living, basically. Won't that smell? Yeah, but I mean, they're still under the impression or assumption, I guess. Rescue's coming. You know, I'm, as far as I know, they haven't really told anyone about them being off course. And they obviously didn't tell anyone about the transceiver not working. So they think rescue's coming. Do you want to be the person that's like, all right, we got, you know, it's 20 or 30 odd corpses. Their families are probably going to want their bodies or something along those lines. And if you think rescue's coming any day, you might just leave it for now. That doesn't change the fact that that shit's going to smell. Like, do I want to be the person to burn their bodies? No. Do I want to be the person to move 30 yards down the beach? Yeah. All right. Fair enough there. That's something that they could have done. Jack is scavenging the fuselage where he runs into Sawyer. And the two of them begins, begin to butt heads about the situation that they're currently in. Sawyer is revealing that he has got booze. He's got smokes and Playboy. And Jack judging is like, I have medicine. The two of them discuss the different ideologies about the current situation that they're in. Sawyer points out that the marshal is a lost cause and Jack is wasting resources on him, but Jack refuses to let him go. It's essentially civilization versus the wild, which leads me to asking you, where do you fall in this argument? I, while watching it, I was siding with Sawyer. Both Jack and Sawyer know about them being way off course, right? I I mean, we know Jack knows. Yeah, Sawyer knows. Okay, so they both know, okay, we could be here for a really long time. And I think it's silly to use up all the antibiotics on one person who I think Jack knows deep down is not going to make it. So what happens when something, something else happens? Oh, I don't know. Maybe someone gives birth. And needs medicine. I just think it's silly to use it all because he can't let this one person go who has severe injuries and is definitely not going to make it. True. But it does kind of make me begin to wonder, at what point is someone too far gone? So the marshal isn't the best example. That was a pretty like significant wound. But let, like, let's say you know Claire gets burst and she gets some sort of infection and they try to save her. At what point do you be like, okay, we've wasted too many resources on her. We have to, we can't afford to give her any more. We have to let her die or at least fight through it. I think that's something that you would hope a doctor could decide. I understand that he wants to save everybody, but he's used to practicing in a situation where he has endless resources, but you would hope that he could adapt to the situation and say, okay, based on what we have, I can't do anything for him. Fair enough. Your opinion on that might change the further we get into the series and learn a little bit more about Jack's character. So Charlie starts helping Claire move some luggage with the use of a wheelchair, which definitely belongs to someone who is dead. Definitely. Um, and it's a, it's a little bit of a meet cute between the two of them. Son believes she found Jin's bag, but he basically says it's not his, not his and then says she's filthy and she needs to go clean up. But then she says that he loves her, and she responds by saying nothing and walking away. Yeah, that was awkward. Definitely a lot of tension between those two. And I think it goes beyond just a husband oppressing his wife. Do you have any, like, ideas of what it might be? Maybe they, they just had a hellish vacation together, and she was so fucking done with him. Now she's stuck on an island and they're the only people that they can talk to because they don't speak English. That would suck. Imagine like we had some family vacations when we were kids that just kind of like by the end of it, we wanted to kill each other. Like imagine finally going home and you're like, oh, I can decompress. I can get away from these people. And now you're just stuck with them even longer. My thing is like, no matter how good the vacation is, I cannot wait to sleep in my own bed. But they don't even get a bed at all. They get sand and maybe a tarp. Imagine all the bugs. I mean, I always thought about that in Survivor. 
Like I saw someone on the Reddit one time was like, why do they even bother with the shelter? Just like sleep in the sand. It's like, oh, those sand mites be eaten alive. So Claire and Charlie start talking about the baby. Um, subtly asks if she's married, if the husband was on the flight. And she reveals that she's in it on her own. And then Charlie immediately starts to hit on her. What do you think about these two? They both kind of seem like dummies. So maybe they're good together. So she's heavily pregnant. Right. Is it creepy at all that he's like hitting on someone who's like about to pop? No, I don't think so. I was talking about this with Kate the other day. And then like, for some reason, it just like struck a chord with us that it was like a little odd. I mean, her being pregnant doesn't make her any less of a woman or any less beautiful. I mean, I don't know. I can see why you would think it's weird, but like, I can't pinpoint what, what's actually weird about it. I'm not here to come down on anybody, you know, like who you like, but you know, Charlie has hit on Kate and Shannon and now Claire. And I don't know if it's maybe just cause I feel like you're right. Her being pregnant She's not any less woman. You know, she's a, she's a strong woman. Claire's a great character. But I feel like she's the most vulnerable in this situation right now, mainly because she is, like, extremely pregnant and there's, like, no resource, resources for her to use. So it just kind of feels a little icky. I think Charlie, I don't know if you know this, but he was in a band called Drive Shaft. And I think he's probably just used to women, like, falling all over him, like, is it falling all over him or fawning all over him? I think it's fawning, but I don't see the issue with either. Either way, he's probably used to getting a lot of women. And now he's on an island and he's got three choices. So three, four. Well, he could always go for Sun and Rose who are both married. Oh, that's why it's three. Right. Three choices. And so he's like just shooting a shot with everybody. Fair enough. Got a crack all night. <laughs> I think I think um, that's what our podcast is missing. Is that neither one of us have an accent? That yeah. This is, could you imagine if bombshells just started showing up on the island? It's like, whoa, where'd that girl come from? That would be hilarious. She just like comes out of the ocean doing like a model shot, and then and then she's like, "Hi, boys." I can't do it next. <laughs> all right, quick quick tangent. Of all the girls that have been on Love Island this season, who would do the worst on this island? And why is it Ekansu? <laughs> I was 100% going to say Ekansu or Gemma. Gemma only because I feel like she is very, like, posh, but she is the most level-headed girl in Paige, I think, are the most, like, level-headed. And so they would, you know, survive just out of being, like, rational human beings. Ekansu is a fucking disaster human being. She would be like going around and like, like somebody would be like dying and she'd be like, oh my God, what if he asked me out right now? That'd be, that'd be crazy. He would, he wouldn't. And then, and then he'd die and she'd be like, oh my God, I just don't get why he didn't ask me out before he died. We stand a messy queen. Um, about imagine Tasha in the love triangle with Jack and Sawyer. She would just be even more unbearable than she already is. You know what? That's what I was going to rant about. I do not, I feel like I'm missing something. Everyone hates Tasha and I don't hate her. I like her. Like, no, Kate, don't listen to this episode because I just recently agreed with her that she's the worst. I like Tasha. I just think she's really like wishy-washy. And just, she'll, she'll like say to, to Andrew, I am focused on you. And then go to Casa and bring home Billy. And then after they make up, she's like, I'm back in on you. And then she'll go to bed and be talking to Billy and be like, I'm afraid that I'm missing out on you if I focus all on Andrew. But then the next morning, she's all on Andrew again. I agree with that. But I think that everybody is making her out to be so much worse than what she actually is. And they're not acknowledging the fact that Andrew does the same shit. The only difference is that Andrew wasn't wishy-washy before Casa. Then he went to Casa, listened to rumors from these random bitches. I shouldn't call women bitches. He listened to rumors from the Casa women and decided to be a fuckboy. Like, 
all, he went off the rails. And then they come back and obviously she's mad at him and everything. I, I don't know where you are, but it is some, Adam just showed up. It is some bullshit the way that she is treated by other people in this house who do not give Andrew any shit for what he has done and just treat her like she's a fucking slut, which she's not. Last thing, last thing I'll say about Love Island before we have to get back up to the real island. Um, Paige took forever to like forgive Jax and like obviously was pissed at him. But like she was complaining about him to Dami, who did the exact same thing. And like he was, she was taking his advice. I think Dami got off like scot free, and it, it it boggles my mind. I think the difference is that Jax wasn't gonna tell. He came back single, acting like he is a perfect golden boy. And I don't think unless if he had not been called out by the girl, I don't think he would have ever told Paige what he did. I think he would have, because there's no way that that secret wouldn't have come out. He wouldn't have told her the extent to what, like, the extent to which he was actually doing it. No, because Dami and Davide like to start shit. They would have said something to India and Ekansu. But that's the whole point, is that he would have only gotten caught because someone else said something. Dami is a little shithead, too. Don't even get me started. All these boys fucking suck. But Except for Davide. Love him. Yeah, Davide's hilarious. When when Tasha called Andrew a liar and he was like, that's my line. That's my line. I love that. All right, we, we got to move on. So Hurley and Kate finally meet. They have like a bit of an awkward interaction. And then he sees the gun and gets even more awkward, um, which relatable. Uh, rain starts to fall down. Kate goes to visit the marshal. And we get a quick flashback of Ray catching Annie stealing her money. Well, not really stealing. It's her money. And uh, attempting to leave in the middle of the night because Kate always runs. He basically talks about how she's been there for three months. He hasn't learned a single thing about her because anytime her past comes up, she makes this face and then eventually offers her to give her a ride to the train station in the morning rather than leaving in the middle of the night. And he leaves with saying that everyone deserves a fresh start. Are the dogs in the room? Is that why you keep looking at the floor? No, I'm turning away because I'm sniffing, but I don't want to sniff into the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) So we come back from the flashback and the marshal wakes up and just starts choking Kate out. And he's like really strong for a guy who's supposedly like on death's door. I thought the same thing. Jack comes in and starts ripping the marshal off of her and he starts seizing and Jack immediately accuses Kate of doing something. And she's like, I was the victim here. Uh, and then Jack brings her up to speed that the marshal is in really bad shape, still refusing to say that he's going to die until Kate calls him out and asks if it will be quick or painless. And Jack says he'll probably take at least two days to die and it will be painful. And Kate asks if they can put him out of his misery. And Jack gets offended, reveals that he knows that she's a criminal and that he is not a murderer kind of insinuating that he might believe her to be a murderer, but not like really going there. I have a lot of thoughts on this scene. One, I feel like Jack was describing in detail how this guy was going to die. And he was conscious. Like the marshal was awake. I'm sure he was in too much pain to really understand what was going on, but like, I don't really want to hear in detail how I'm going to die Two, I think it is definitely fair for Jack to assume that Kate's a murderer because if I'm thinking about it I'm like if a U.S. Marshal has gone to Australia to get you and then is saying that you're dangerous I'm gonna assume she killed somebody I think there are crimes that you would be what's that word extradited or deported neither one yeah but deported would be getting kicked out by the country but she was retrieved by another country. Anyway, I'm sure there are like bad crimes, but the fact that he keeps saying that she's dangerous, I'm just going to go on record and saying I think she killed somebody. But I do think that her being concerned for him being in pain is genuine, which is interesting 
because it feels like feels like more than a U.S. Marshal criminal relationship. Go on. I don't know. Maybe she's just a really good person and she's a very empathetic person and she just doesn't want him to be in pain despite who he is. But I think I'm jumping ahead. I don't actually remember when I started to think all of this stuff, but their relationship just seems very weird. Oh, like when he was talking to Jack and he's like, don't let her get to you. Like no matter what she says, oh, she's already got to you, right? Like it makes me think that they've had some sort of romantic relationship or on the very least a sexual relationship like that he she seduced him and that she like got away like maybe he had caught her because when he pulls up next to ray is it ray Mm -hmm. when he pulls up next to ray and gives her like the finger gun thing i feel like that's not very professional that seems personal to me so I think that's my guess is that they had some sort of relationship. Like maybe he was hunting her and she like seduced him or something and then got away. And then he was like, Oh, she betrayed me. I have to get her back. And that's, it's become personal for him. Interesting theory. I like it. So you kind of alluded to it there, but basically in the next flashback, Kate catches Ray looking at the car tailing them and he's like trying to like stop for, for breakfast and like stalling. And she like calls him out. He reveals that there was a $23,000 reward for her head and he was going to put it towards the mortgage. So he gave her up, but he reassures her that it was a difficult decision for him to make. Um, Then the marshal pulls up and he does a little finger gun to show that he's got her this time. Back on the Island, Michael, asks Walt about Locke and Walt really isn't forthcoming about with his answers, only really saying that Locke told him a miracle happened to him. First instance of Michael actually being a good father tells his son to stop hanging out with creepy old man. But Walt thinks of Locke as his friend. Michael's like, well, I'm your friend. But Walt challenges him saying that if he really was his friend, he'd go out and find his dog, which Walt or Michael agrees he'll do the second it stops raining. And then it immediately stops raining. Yeah, I felt his pain on that one. That's like when I tell myself, okay, after this episode, I'm going to go clean something. And then there's like two minutes left in the episode. I'm like, ah, fuck. Next episode. Did you ever do that thing where it was like, I'll start my homework at at eight? Yes. And then it's 8.15. You're like, I gotta wait till nine. (laughs) Yeah, if it was like, okay, I'll definitely do this at three o'clock. And then I miss it. It's like 3.03. I'm like, ah, 3.30. For sure, 3.30. It's me every morning with my alarm. It's like, I, I can sleep for five more minutes. Next thing you know, I'm 45 minutes late. <laughs> Not to work. I just skip hair gel. Because it takes me 45 minutes to gel my hair. What? <laughs> I've never seen gelling your hair ever. I've recently started, like, I didn't do it today. But I've recently started, like, kind of fucking with my hair. I see a stylist now instead of great clips. Wow, you got the money for a stylist? No, I. it's one of Kate's friends, so I can kind of get a discount. Do they specialize in people with giant heads? Shut the fuck up. So Michael starts walking through the jungle, and he's hearing noises and growling, and just takes off running and stumbles into a topless son who is bathing from when Jin told her to go take a shower from, like, 15 minutes ago, it was pouring down rain. Was she just bathing in the rain? That would be the way to do it because water pressure. But uh, we don't see what was running at Michael, right? No. Okay, because I think it's a wild boar. That's very specific. Why? I think it's because I just saw TikTok about them. But they're super dangerous. And then you've got like tusks and they can just like fuck you up. But when he was getting chased, like, that's what my mind decided. My mind was like, it's a boar. Could and be Vincent. Could be the monster. No, definitely not Vincent. Vincent doesn't make noises like that. You've seen Vincent all the monster, times. The monster does destruction on a larger scale. This was something close by. And those noises, like the grunting, reminded me of a boar. That's what a dog sounds like. <laughs> Nevertheless, 
Michael assures son that he didn't see anything. He does like, he totally sneaks a glance though. Um, but walks off after handing her his shirt or handing her her shirt. Um, so the marshal is loudly dying and it's disrupting him. Charlie sits with Locke as he whittles a little whistle uh, and they listen to the man die. And Charlie takes this opportunity to tell Locke that he was in a band, which uh, I don't think he really talks about all that much. So it's nice to see him really opening up to people for a change. And then Shannon comments that his the marshal's dying is just going on for too long and it's way too loud, which like relatable. Yeah, you know what? Boone gives her shit, but I would be saying the same thing. I mean, like, it would just be uncomfortable to listen to. And maybe yeah. after a while, just annoying. <laughs> You're sitting around already trying to decide, like, are we going to make it off this island? Are we all going to die? Having to listen to someone literally die would be pretty bad. It'd be a shame if your dogs just shut up now. <laughs> I'm trying to mute my microphone when I'm not talking, but That's they're fine. out the door howling now. Is it? No, it's too early for dinner, is it? Nope, it is exactly dinner time. Okay, go feed them. <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay. So Saeed informs Jack that the others in the camp are just upset, uncomfortable. They want to know what's going on. Jack tells him that he's trying to save the marshal's life, and that Saeed tells him that the rumor's going around. He can't do that. Um, Sawyer walks up to Kate and they begin to have this uncomfortable conversation where Sawyer says, if he was the one with the gun, he would know that he would have to kill the marshal. It has to be done. And basically strongly alludes to the fact that someone needs to go shoot the marshal to put him out of his misery. And they point out that there is only one bullet left. So the marshal is talking to Jack about how he shouldn't trust Kate. Kate always runs. Jack finally wants to talk about what Kate did, ask the marshal what he did, but the marshal refuses to tell him and asks to speak to Kate alone. So then we get another flashback where Kate runs the truck off the road. It flips what the up. fuck was her plan? I, I get desperation, but that was the worst plan I've ever seen. Ever. I don't... That's all I have to say about it. So the truck flips over, engine lights on fire. Kate gets out, pulls Ray out of the truck and away from the inferno up to the roadside. And then the marshal catches her. But Ray's alive. She might've gotten away had she not like tried to save Ray. She could have just taken off running. But of course she's going to save Ray. She, okay. She would have like maybe gotten away, but did she not realize that all she did was wreck the vehicle that she was in? She didn't even hit the marshal's vehicle like maybe she tapped it so all that he had to do was literally just stop his truck and wait for this bitch to run towards him well maybe he wouldn't have maybe if the engine didn't catch on fire right when he she could have run the other direction i get that but like i'm sure he could catch up to her that's fucking stupid it was a stupid plan yeah but it was exciting you know not i mean just stressed me out. So that puts the flashback story to a close, essentially. There's one more scene, but it's just more footage from the plane crash that we've already seen. So what do you think about this flashback, flashback story? Does it, now that it's come to its conclusion, you see a little insight into Kate's past, just a little bit, what she was doing in Australia, Australia basically. What do you think about her? I think she is a desperate woman. And I am inclined to think that whatever she did was, whatever her crime was, was out of desperation. My first guess is that she was in some sort of abusive relationship. Like she was married or dating somebody who was abusing her and she killed him. But maybe, ooh, maybe the guy was in law enforcement and maybe she knew this marshal. Maybe that's why it's personal because maybe they were friends and this marshal was like best friends with her husband. And then she killed him. Something like that. I'm getting domestic violence vibes. All right. Kate can't sit still on the Island. Anytime there's a hike into the jungle, she's first on board. And the marshal keeps saying all she does is run. 
but the two, the two times we haven't seen her run was to save someone. She went back for Jack. She went back to save Ray. Even on the plane, this isn't a running situation, but she saved them. She attempted to save the marshal with the oxygen mask. We discussed if that really did anything or not, but she attempted to save him, even though it wasn't in her own best interest. Knowing that she's a criminal, do you think that her actions reflect that? No, which is why I feel like Jack is no, which is why I don't really judge Jack for eventually not wanting to know what she did, because I feel like her character and not her character as in like the character she plays, but just like her morals and her values and her actions are showing that she seems like to be a good person an empathetic person. She's putting others before herself. I mean, obviously they don't see everything that you just mentioned, but that's why I feel like whatever she did, it wasn't like a malicious crime. I still think she killed someone or did something really bad, but I think that it was like maybe even to like save someone else. Maybe she's a mother. Maybe she has a child. She has a very like protective instinct, I think. I don't know. Something like that. This is the most excited you've seen so far, just like talking about Kate's backstory. I'm pretty curious to know what she did, but I'm just a really nosy person. I think I'm also always drawn to the broody, like mysterious character. Like her and Sawyer, I'm just like, tell me all your secrets. I want to know everything about like, Sad Sawyer later on, I'm jumping ahead, but when Sawyer, like, gives that face of pain, I'm like, come here, I'll take care of you. Okay, so we come back from the flashback, and the marshal asks, what was the favor before, right before the crash? We see that bit of the flash again, or the flash. We see that bit of the crash again, um, where, he, where she asks what the, for a favor, and then he gets knocked out, crash occurs. Kate reveals that she wanted to make sure that Ray got his reward because he had a hell of a mortgage. Marshall laughs at her because Ray ratted her out and she's still trying to protect him. And then even goes so far to point out that if had she not saved Ray, she probably would have gotten away. But Kate reveals that she did get away. Well, not truly being free. She's on the island and the Marshall is most likely going to be dead. The Marshal asks if he is going to die, and she confirms it. He asks if she will be the one to do it. So Hurley reveals to Jack that Kate had a gun, and he immediately sprints towards the tent uh, to see Kate walking away. He has this moment of relief, thinking, oh, she's not going to kill him. And then gunshot, Sawyer, Sawyer has shot the Marshal in the chest. When I heard the gunshot, I thought that Kate had just left the gun in the tent and let the Marshal kill himself. That would have been better. That was what I thought. But maybe he doesn't have the strength. I mean, he had the strength to choke a bitch out. Maybe he's religious. Yeah, but then you get into the whole question of like, is doctor-assisted suicide really suicide? And obviously Sawyer's not a doctor. Well, technically it was a (laughs) doctor-assisted murder. Sawyer... And Jack immediately get into it with each other again. Sora tells him that he understands that he's a doctor, but it needed to be done. And the marshal asked him to do it. Uh, but then the marshal's still alive. And it's revealed that Sawyer missed his heart, hit him in the lung. And this is probably going to take a couple hours for him to bleed out. Jack kicks him out of the tent and finishes the marshal himself. He steps out of the tent looking like he's completely broken Remember that he's a doctor who took a vow not to do any harm and probably, you could assume for the first time in his life, killed someone. On purpose. I'm sure he's been, I'm sure he's had people die on the table multiple times. Well, uh, would you say that he killed them if they died during surgery? No, I'm saying, no, I'm not saying he killed his patients, but... In theory, he could have been responsible for their death if there was like, you know, he let that chick's spinal shit fall all over the place. Yeah, but he fixed her and she fully Right, but I'm saying mistakes sometimes happen. So I'm saying people have died at his hands before. So Kate didn't kill the marshal. Sawyer did, or Sawyer tried, and then Jack did. 
What are your thoughts on all their roles and their reasoning behind this? I think Kate, despite being a criminal and despite the fact that the marshal was like hunting her, I think she just wanted to help him from a place of empathy. Like she just didn't want him to be miserable. But I think she could see like, if I do this, it's going to look really bad. Or maybe she just didn't want to do it. Maybe she just is not capable of killing someone again. Cause I still think she killed someone already. Um, I think Sawyer has this like persona of like, Oh, I'm, I live in the wild West. Like, Rules don't apply to me. I don't mind taking a man's life. But then clearly you can see the pain on his face when he missed and he caused suffering instead of actually killing him, which makes me think that it's kind of an act. Like, he's like, oh, I'm this bad boy, but I don't know. He seemed pretty remorseful. So I feel like he's not as much of an asshole as he comes off as. And then obviously Jack felt bad for killing him but i think that his whole do no harm thing in this context of being on an island where that guy was just gonna suffer like the best thing he could do was just kill him and he thought well i'm jack and i'm the best so i can kill him the best which he did well he actually you know got results sawyer had a a bullet and jack had his bare hands and Jack killed him a lot faster. A happy note, after a fresh death, Locke is able to use the whistle to find Vincent and brings Michael to him, wanting Michael to be the person to reunite boy and dog. Michael thanks him. Maybe the two of them can have some sort of relationship. Kate and Jack are staring out of the ocean together and she offers to tell Jack what she did, but he declines. He says that everyone gets a fresh start on the island because nothing matters before the crash. Bringing the whole tabula rasa theme, you full circle. And he says, three days ago, we all died. I just want to say, he does not mean this in the literal sense. They are very much alive. I don't know. I think he just spoiled the whole show. They're all dead the whole time. I will kill you. So Jack was asking the marshal. He spent the whole episode not wanting to know. He finally breaks and does want to know. And now he's being offered that information and declines it. What do you, why do you think this is? And does it really matter what Kate did? I think Jack has seen Kate since the crash as a trustworthy person, a confidant. They obviously want to take each other's pants off. And then he got this information about her and, you know, maybe he was questioning what he saw in her, but I think through this whole thing of her being very empathetic with the marshal, but choosing not to take his life, things like that. Jack has just decided, despite what she did, she's a good person. I like her. I also think that with him saying, we all died three days ago. It doesn't matter what you did before this. I think He's saying that for himself as well. I think he's kind of thinking, well, if she tells me her secrets, then it's going to bring up my secrets. So I think there's something that he would also like to bury. So he sees this as an opportunity to just bury anything, not something necessarily that he did that's bad, but anything painful from his life that he's like, you know what, forget it. We're all new people, blank slate on this island. Do I think it matters what she did? Yes. Maybe. If, if she wasn't acting the way that she did, I would say yes. Like, if she was being creepy like Locke, yeah, I'd be like, what'd you do? I find Locke to be very creepy. But I feel like she hasn't given me any red flags. So, I mean, technically, I feel like, yes, it does matter because I'm nosy and I want to know. But for the island life, maybe not. No. 
So the final scene that we have in the show is this nice little montage showing where everyone is at at the end of the episode. Hurley is listening to his CD player, which uh, really made me feel old. Did you ever have a CD player? No, but I remember yours. I had two. You had two? One was purple, wasn't it? Yeah, the other one had an American flag on it. Yeehaw. Nice. I always knew that you were a country girl. Remember when you used to go mudding? Yes, I do. <laughs> he also is knocking sand out of, his, out of his shoes. Jin watches over Sun as she gets some sleep. Boone gives Shannon her missing sunglasses, and you can tell by the look on his face that he really enjoys being her hero. I don't think they were missing. I think they were broken, and he fixed them. Because you see the paper clip uh, in the yeah. side of them? Was that acknowledged at all? I don't know, but I saw the paperclip, so I thought that they were broken and that he fixed them. Mm. Saeed throws Sawyer an apple, and Sawyer just has, like, this guilty look on his face. Probably because he caused a man some suffering in the brief moments before his death. Charlie changes the bandages on his fingers from fate, like he wrote in the pilot, to late. And behind him, Claire is just patting her stomach. Why does he have bandages on his fingers? He's, he's, a, he's an artist. Oh, he's not like hurt? No, he's not hurt. He just... Does that? Yeah. He's just wasting supplies? I mean, it's, I don't think they're actual like bandages. It's just like stuff. Yeah, but they could, be, they could be used for something. That Sharpie ink has use. I mean, everything has use. I mean, you're not wrong. And then Michael reunites Vincent and Walt. Nice little touching moment that is immediately ruined by Locke watching the reunion from a distance as really creepy music plays. I know. What the fuck was up with that? I was like, oh, maybe Locke is not so creepy. Maybe he has some redeeming qualities. And then I was like, ew, why are you staring at them like that? Well, it really makes you like want to know more about Locke. Oh, is Locke like a neo-Nazi? Not what I was referring to. <laughs> what I was referring to was next time we're going to be covering Walkabout, the first Locke-centric episode. Where we find out that Locke is a neo-Nazi. Yes. And the miracle is not that he can walk again. It's that he, he crash-landed on an island and he's not racist anymore. But he is a little bit. Still creepy. No, I don't actually think he's a racist, but I just think it's weird. I think getting more pedophile vibes from the way he's staring. Maybe it's a father-son thing. Maybe he, like, because he he thought it was important that Michael bring back Walt's dog, which I thought, like, oh, my God, that's so nice. That's really considerate thing to do. But then he was, like, staring at them so weird. Maybe he hates his dad or something. Or he misses his dad. It could be that he just, well, I don't know. She's really creepy. Well, that is the end of Tabula Rasa. Um, that's all I have to cover. So do you feel like you learned a valuable lesson about um, your slate being blank? I feel like I learned a valuable lesson, which is that I'm smarter than you. I always have been and I always will be. Well, it, it was my idea to start this podcast. Yeah, and it's so successful. Millions. I'd like to formally apologize for my dogs barking in the background of this podcast the entire time. Uh, okay. Why is it that doing the outro just, just destroys me as a person? I mean, I absolutely kill it for the entire body of the podcast. And then, you know, okay. Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler, produced by Kate Worcester, and our music is by David Kohler. Please follow us on all social media. Our TikTok is at laurengetslost.pod, Instagram at laurengetslostpod, and Twitter at laurengetslost. Leave us a review, rate us five stars on whatever platform you find us. Our DMs are open if you have questions, suggestions, or if you just want to bully Zane. Just kidding. We don't accept bullying. If you bully me, I'll cry. For real, I really will. 
So anyway, thanks for listening. Join us next time for Walkabout. And remember, they were not dead the whole time. Nailed it. Sure you did. One take. <laughs>